0: Everyone. Welcome back to the Resilience Key Podcast. I'm your host, Steph Corbell, and as always, I'm super stoked to be here with you today to explore yet another topic designed to help you channel your inner grit into personal growth. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you haven't yet, go ahead, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any of my future episodes. I release a new one each and every single Friday morning. Also, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, I would appreciate your help. Go ahead, give this podcast a rating or share it on your social media, and that will help us get heard by more listeners. So we took a little bit of a detour last week, but this week we are back with the third episode in a series of three exploring the topic of self-sabotage. In two prior episodes, and I will go ahead and link those in the episode description today, we looked at how our thoughts and our words can both lead to self-sabotage in many instances, often completely subconsciously. This week, we're gonna be examining how our physical actions can do the same thing. I've had it said to me from more than one person, what you spend your time on says what's important to you. And sure, that's true in many ways, I'm someone who does indeed believe that if we really want something to happen, we'll carve out the time for it. However, that said, I think there's more to that phrase. Often, our actions, how we're physically spending our time, not only signify what we value, but even more so, highlight our inner landscape. Translated, we may not actually always spend time on the things that mean the most to us. Now, we may give ourselves excuses as to why we do this. We may tell ourselves there is never time for that. And believe me, I understand this completely guilty as charged here. I'm here to say today, sometimes deep down subconsciously, we don't believe we're worthy of spending time on a certain thing or taking a certain action. So we find ways to sabotage ourselves by focusing on other actions. For example... I'm someone who very much believes in the importance of self-care. I think it's necessary to carve out time for yourself, and I'm always telling friends, take action, create that non-negotiable time for yourself in your calendar. It's good for your mental health, but do I do this for myself? Uh, Yeah, not so much. I, I really don't. I tell myself, well, I own a business. I'm pursuing a ton of other activities like flight training and ultra running and and that's how I take care of myself. You know something, stressing your body out by running hundreds of miles, it, it doesn't really qualify as self-care. And if I'm honest with myself as much as I love it, it is yet another way to make myself ridiculously busy. And that right there is my MO, my pattern of behavior. Because of my own past and my family background, I suffer from a huge amount of guilt if I'm not being what I think of as productive. I honestly schedule out each of my days in 30-minute increments, and while this might make me productive, I will tell you, one, it's not mentally healthy, and two, it doesn't exactly make me the greatest friend or spouse. Hey, I admit it, I get real on this podcast. I do avoid the thing I preach. That's my self-sabotaging action. And what's the result? I'm exhausted a lot of the time, and I'm not that present for the people that I value the most nearly enough. I am one extreme on the spectrum. I'm an overcommitter. I use my commitments to subconsciously avoid doing the things I value the most out of a deep seated sense of guilt and lack of self worth. I have a core belief that if I'm not achieving, I'm not worth anything. And that's something I'm personally working very hard on. Maybe you're like this too. And I don't think this is terribly uncommon. Now, on the flip side of this behavior, there's another type of avoidant self-sabotage, and that's the idleness paradigm. People that fall into this camp often have the same type of lack of self-worth, and so instead of taking action toward things that would benefit them or be good for them or help them grow, they sit on the couch, they watch Netflix, they get caught in a scroll hole for hours on social media and then wonder where the time went, but they still tell themselves, "Oh man." When it comes to growth, I I just don't have time for that. It's the same core belief, but the opposite action. And both of these actions are self-sabotaging. They keep us from living to our potential and they keep us stuck in a state of perpetual inertia, either constantly moving or never even able to get started. Both actions lead back to self-worth. I mean, if you really value yourself, you're gonna take action in a healthy way not avoiding the actions that are needed to get to point B. So if you are feeling stuck, ask yourself, am I putting unnecessary obstacles in my way, maybe through overcommitting or idleness? Am I setting up a laundry list of tasks so I can avoid taking charge? Or am I languishing away, never even getting started? What camp do you fall in? Now, I believe most of us exist on a spectrum in this way. And you know, we all have scars and traumas to different degrees, and those are all real and valid to us. Those scars and traumas affect our sense of self-worth, and I've, I've got a great episode on that you should check out. If you haven't yet, I will link that one as well in the episode description. I honestly believe that most things come back to that, developing your self-worth. And for the remainder of this episode, let's take a look at some ways we can get unstuck in how we take action toward goals or progress. First, identify where you fall on the bell curve. Are you someone who overcommits or simply doesn't start? Ask yourself where does this behavior come from? In my case, I learned my overcommitting behavior from my mom. Rest in peace. My mom was a childhood trauma survivor and she didn't exactly have the best marriage. She went through a lot in her life and she was a conflicted person in a lot of ways. I knew her well, and I knew she never really did any of the things in her life that she wanted to do. She was always telling herself it was impossible. She didn't have the time because she was always so busy. And yeah, admittedly, she was. She was a working mom, had a high-end professional job, but literally, she never, ever, ever stopped for a moment to rest. She cleaned constantly. The house always had to be perfect. Everything in her life had to be coordinated, planned, controlled to the nth degree. There were so many tasks that I think she created tasks to create more tasks to fulfill the tasks that hadn't been scheduled yet. Now, seeing this growing up, I just took that as, well, that's how adult life is. But now that I'm of an age where I've had a lot of distance from that household, I know it doesn't have to be that way. And it's kind of scary to see myself repeating some of those same behaviors, but in different contexts, mainly related to me working all of the damn time. Now, do you have a person in your childhood or your life that you modeled your actions after in this way? Where do you think those actions and behaviors come from? Ask yourself and spend some time journaling about it. Second, learn how to give a definitive yes or no and make it a non-negotiable. As an overcommitter, I need to learn how to say no, drawing boundaries, setting limits on my time, not saying yes to every single favor and invitation. That's something I need to do to carve time out in my calendar for myself. And it's hard for me because I tend to feel super guilty doing that. Now, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, you may need to create some non-negotiable yes opportunities. Do you want to take this class? Yes. Do you want to attend this seminar? Yes. And then back it up with the action to shake yourself out of your inertia. Third, while it might sound easy to make a yes or no a non-negotiable, it is not. So get yourself some accountability. If you're dealing with some deep-seated self-sabotaging behavior that you can't seem to stop repeating, okay, a therapist is probably in order. And for others on different points of the spectrum, well, maybe your accountability person is a good friend. I have an agreement with one of my friends at my tattoo studio to intervene if she sees me taking in any charity cases, meaning I have this tendency to take in any young tattoo artist under my wing to help them, even if it's to the detriment of my own time and sanity. And why? I guess it's kind of a guilt thing and kind of an avoidance of the scariness of focusing on myself and putting myself out there first and foremost. And let me tell you, my friend is a great accountability buddy. She, she really does speak up and she calls me out when she sees me repeating certain behaviors. It's really hard to hear. Oh, you will hate hearing someone call you out. And it's super easy to get defensive. But it will lead you so much growth just to have someone else aware and kind enough to help you, even if it hurts at the time to hear it. I highly recommend getting yourself a good accountability buddy, be it for personal actions, or at work, or at school, or in pursuit of any type of goal. This stuff is hard, I will admit that. I mean, part of the reason I do this podcast every week is not only to offer you all advice, but to help myself too. And having listeners I engage with every week definitely keeps me accountable. I hope these techniques help you, and I hope the series helped in general. We all self-sabotage in different subtle ways. It's simply part of the human experience. But by being aware of our subconscious thoughts, words, and actions, we can turn it all around. If you found this helpful, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my website at stephcorbell.com or on my Instagram page at stephcorbell. That's C-O-R-B-E-L-L. Thank you again so much for listening today. And don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next week, remember, you're more resilient than you realize and you're stronger than you know.